On Monday, protests broke out across the nation over the shooting of Terrence Crutcher, a 40-year-old black man from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Crutcher was shot by a white officer after 911 calls identified him as a man who had abandoned his car in the middle of the road and appeared to be on drugs. He also had a history of drug crimes and gun crimes. Crutcher did disobey police orders, but he had his hands up before he approached his vehicle. Then he sort of lowered his hands and was shot. The police are undertaking a full investigation, of course. The officer will be prosecuted to the full extent of the law if the tape is representative of the events that occurred. Then, on Tuesday, a black officer from Charlotte, North Carolina, shot and killed a 43-year-old black guy named Keith Lamont Scott in a University City apartment parking lot. The police had been looking for somebody with an outstanding warrant when they saw Scott leave his car with a gun. After Scott got back in the car, the police approached him, at which point he emerged with the gun and, quote, posed an Im imminent deadly threat to the officers who subsequently fired their weapon, striking the subject and killing him. The cops called a medic who began performing CPR. Despite the apparent fact that Scott was armed and tried to do something to the officers, his daughter released a video online saying that he was unarmed, that he was reading a book while waiting for his son to be let off the school bus, and that he was disabled, which is a great story, except none of it is actually supported by any of the facts that we've seen. Scott's death prompted a race riot in Charlotte, 12 officers injured, including seven hospitalized, one struck in the face by a rock. The rioters didn't merely attack cops. They were throwing rocks and bottles from freeway overpasses onto drivers below. They also looted a Walmart as a protest for some reason, and they injured three reporters, including one who had to be hospitalized. The Black Lives Matter movement has been an utter disaster for the country. It's based on a provable lie that unarmed black people are disproportionately shot by the cops. It assumes Americans also don't care if unarmed black people are shot by the cops. But it actually does a disservice to innocent black people who do die at the hands of cops by lumping them in with purported victims who aren't victims at all. It's utterly unfair to lump in Walter Scott, shot in the back in South Carolina, with Michael Brown, a thug who attempted to murder a police officer. But that's what Black Lives Matter does every single day, driving riots from Ferguson to Baltimore. And in doing so, they undermine any effort toward racial unity. Americans are willing to mourn the death of innocence. In fact, we do mourn the death of innocence. But we're not willing to pillory cops in situations in which they use justified force on suspects. BLM, Black Lives Matter, they assume that cops are always wrong, invariably. So do leftist politicians like Hillary Clinton, who continue to pander to leftist black voters by lying about the cops. And the mentality that cops are the bad guys has predictable consequences. More people who are anti-cop, including 25-year-old Nicholas Glenn, a black man who shot two officers in Philadelphia on Friday, including a black female police officer, and left behind a note speaking of his, quote, hatred for police and probation officers, according to the Philadelphia Inquirer. I just can't understand the reckless disregard or disrespect for law enforcement, said John McNesby, who's the president for the Fraternal Order of Police Lodge Number 5. I've never seen it at such a level as it is today. Hatred and slander of the police are horrifying and disgusting, but they're common in leftist politics today. And they prevent the country from coming together to protect both innocent people and the cops who defend them. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. <laughs> Alrighty, so welcome to the show. We're doing this, obviously, from a hotel near some college that I've heard of, some university called Yale, 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 that's what it is. We're going to be speaking there tonight, and we'll be talking with all the precious snowflakes at Yale in just about a couple of hours here, so that, that's exciting. So if you're near Yale for some reason and you want to come out, it's free, and, and it should be a blast. If you want to stream it online, I know that the Young America's Foundation is also streaming it online, and we have some some interesting things planned. Okay, but first, before we go any further, I want to mention one of our great sponsors, Helix Sleep. Helix Sleep is a great sponsor. What they do is you go on their website at, at helix.com, helixsleep.com slash Ben. You go to helixsleep.com slash Ben. 
And when you do, you go through their questioning process about, do you like your mattress firm? Do you like it to be cooler? Do you get hot at night? Do you, do you, are, you, are you cold at night? And, and they customize a mattress for you. What's really cool is that if you're a couple uh, and one of you likes the bed softer and one of you likes the bed harder, they'll actually customize a mattress that's harder on one side and softer on the other side. And then they mail you the mattress. It arrives at your door in about a week. Shipping is 100% free. And then if you don't like it, you try it out for 100 days. And if you don't like it, They'll pick it up for free, and they'll give you a 100% refund instead. So it really is no risk. I mean, you can try it, see if you like it. It's really cool. It comes in a box. You open up the box, and then it just inflates right in front of you, which is really neat. And I've slept on it. It's incredibly comfortable. I'm really grateful to, to Helix for sending me the mattress because I'm sleeping better because of that mattress. So it's helixsleep.com, and the mattresses are very, very affordable. It's hundreds of dollars instead of thousands of dollars. We got a king-size mattress, and, uh, and that thing was like 995 bucks, which is a lot cheaper than it would be for an equally sized, really nice mattress somewhere else. So it's, it's fantastic. comes right to your door. You don't have to schlep it home. You don't have to worry about schlepping it back to the store if it's bad. HelixSleep.com slash Ben. If you go to HelixSleep.com slash Ben, use that promo code Ben, you get 50 bucks off your order. Plus, you have the honor of knowing that you helped out the show because obviously they advertise with us so that we bring them clients. And if you're one of the clients, better shot that all the, all the deplorables behind the camera here get to remain employed. Okay. So lots going on in the world. Latest thing is Hillary Clinton has real problems in this election cycle. The polls are showing that this is way too close for comfort. 538 particularly, 538.com particularly, is now showing that Hillary's chances of winning, which used to be near 80%, are now all the way down to 56%. That's if the election is held November 8th. If the election were held today, she would be at 51%, Trump would be at 49%. That's how close this election is. And that's according to 538.com, and they do all of this comprehensive poll analysis. That means for Hillary, she's looking around and she's thinking to herself, how do I get more people out to vote? How do I get my people out to vote? And by my people out to vote, she really means the Obama coalition, which specifically means lots of minorities out to vote, lots of minority leftists out to vote. That's what she's really interested in pushing. That's, that's her big thing. Well, one of the ways she's going to do this is by race baiting. She's going to pander racially. This is very important to her. She must pander racially. And so what we saw you know, we talked about Terrence Crutcher and that shooting in Tulsa. We showed the tape yesterday. It looked like a bad shoot, but as we see more information, we'll find out. Apparently, Terrence Crutcher had PCP in his car, which may explain why he didn't respond to a taser, but he was tased and shot at the same time, so it's possible that it's a bad shoot, even if he was not obeying officer commands. You don't get shot for disobeying officer commands. You should do it. It's going to increase your chances of not getting shot, but as a general rule, you're not going to get shot if you if you don't actually provide an imminent threat to the officers. But the real story today is what's happening in Charlotte. So 12 officers injured, seven of them wounded enough to go to the hospital. One was really wounded, hit in the face by a rock. These, these so-called protesters, these pieces of crap, they were throwing bricks and rocks off, off freeway overpasses trying to kill people. Uh, and, then they were, and then they were breaking into Walmart. So here's some of the protesters and what they were doing last night after. Let me, let me give you the details of the case, and we'll play the tapes. So the details of the case, as I mentioned in the intro here, the details of the case are that the, the supposed victim in this case was a guy who the, the, the police went to an apartment complex to try and search down a guy who uh, had an outstanding warrant. This was not that guy, but the guy decided to pop out of his car anyway with a gun, and, uh, and they shot him dead. The, the guy's, I think it's his daughter, she then posted online something about how he was unarmed and he was just sitting there reading a book. He was probably reading you know, something deep like Aristotle or Plato and he was just waiting for his son to get off the school bus and they shot him dead for no reason. Turns out none of that is true. The black police chief in, in Charlotte Mecklenburg, he says that's not true. He was an imminent threat. He pulled the gun on the officers. In any case, 
All of this goes down, and the protesters emerge to throw rocks at passing cars, because that's what we do now. And here are the protesters doing their best to really make a difference for race relations by breaking into the local Walmart. So you can see them really doing the things that protesters are, are fond of doing, the things that are really important. And, uh, and they didn't just do that. They also uh, decided it would be fun to jump up and down on a police cruiser. So here's what that looked like. We're going to stop you right now because we're looking at live pictures of Sky 3. And, Paul, you and I are both seeing this. Everybody watching is seeing this. Maybe 25 people on top of a CMPD cruiser. Looks almost like an SUV. Windshields are cracked, shattered. People on the roof kicking in the side windows. You can see very clearly that that was a violent act against the patrol car. We had not seen a lot of violence up until this point. It had remained tense but relatively calm. But this picture is quite different, Paul. Moments ago, CMPD also tweeted out that agitators had joined this crowd of protesters. It had been peaceful up to this point. And once again, Sky 3 has its uh, searchlight on there, the police helicopter as well. They have uh, cracked the front windshield by stomping on it. They've been on top of this car. Again, we saw some of the smoke bombs go off just a few minutes ago. It is uh, pretty much a bit of chaos mm -hmm. going on. I thought for a moment they, the crowd might be dispersing, but we can see that it has moved up the street away from where Sarah Blake Morgan was standing just a few minutes ago. And uh, this is a much wilder scene of folks here who are fairly angry. A fear in these situations is fairly that people angry, just join in, not even. Yeah, fairly angry. And, and, and those people are really doing the Lord's work. I mean, if you look at them doing what they're doing, it's clear that what they're really what they're really angry about is clearly cop racism. By the way, the cop who, who shot the black guy is black. But no matter, no matter, all cops are racist, all cops are evil. And we learn this from the brother of the supposed victim in this case. Here's tape of the brother of the supposed victim, and here's what he had to say to all of the white folks out there. Anything we should know? No. You just know that all white people are f***ing devils. And make sure you air that one. Air, air that, that one. Don't take that All one white cops are f***ing devils and white people. It seems to me after watching that, that white, white racism is really the problem here. I mean, I watch that and I go, white racism is serious. There's no such thing as black racism. There isn't. I mean, this is what I've heard from Mark Lamont Hill. I've heard this from other leftist commentators. There is no such thing as black racist person. They just don't exist. They're myths. They're just in your mind. They're like unicorns. You know, and of course, that's not true. Maybe one of the reasons that the cops are having a hard time in black communities is because there are people like this guy who thinks that all black people are wonderful, presumably, and all white people are devils. I still don't know what he's talking about, considering the guy who shot his brother was actually a black guy, but I guess he becomes white the minute he puts on a police uniform. So this is wonderful. And then, thankfully, we have Hillary Clinton here to really make sure that we can tamp all of this down. Hillary does the responsible thing. You know, earlier this week, we saw Hillary Clinton say that we, we wouldn't want to be irresponsible about any of this. We have to be very, very responsible in not jumping to conclusions. Remember, she ripped Donald Trump apart because Donald Trump called a bombing a bombing before she wanted him to call a bombing a bombing. Now, now though, it's important that we jump to conclusions. So Hillary tweets something out. Here's what Hillary tweets. This is Hillary's tweet. Can we put that up? So Hillary's tweet suggests equivalence between Terrence Crutcher, between Terrence Crutcher and, uh, and, this, and this other shooting victim, in, in North Carolina, who really isn't a victim, he's actually a perpetrator. He's actually the problem. The, the Hillary tweet is, uh, is, is uh, exactly what it looks like, right? It's, it's just a way for her to lump together all, shooting, uh, all shootings 
under the banner of they're racist and wrongful, even though, again, there's no evidence that any of this was racist and wrongful, because that's what Hillary Clinton has to do. She's now going to do the full lefty routine. She's now going to suggest that all shootings by cops are bad. Right. She wrote Keith Lamont, Scott, Terrence Crutcher, too many others. This has got to end. Dash H, when she adds the dash H, that means that she personally wrote it, right? It wasn't one of her staffers. She personally wrote it because she is a deeply special and wonderful human being. This is the worst stuff ever. I mean, first of all, there's no evidence that either shooting was racially based, even the one in Tulsa, no evidence that this is a race-based shooting. Second, the Scott shooting may well have been justified given all of the facts that we currently know. That's not the only thing that Hillary had to say about this. Here was Hillary on the, on the Steve Harvey show. When Steve Harvey isn't laughing at the word penis over and over, on his on his ridiculous family feud show. He does a radio show that isn't very good. And here's Steve Harvey talking about about with Hillary Clinton about race. We've got to tackle systemic racism, this horrible shooting again. How many times do we have to see this in our country in Tulsa, an unarmed man with his hands in the air? I mean, this is just (laughs) unbearable and it needs to be intolerable. And so you know, maybe I can, by speaking directly to white people, say, look, this is not who we are. We've got to do everything possible to improve policing. Okay, screw you, Hillary Clinton. Screw you. This is absurdity of the highest level. You're going to be the go-between for the white community? You're going to lecture the white community because the white community wants to see innocent black people die? That's the idea here? You're going to lecture all of us on morality? You you have to make it unacceptable? I have a question. Who out there? Anybody cheering when an unarmed black man gets shot? Who are the people who just say that they want to go to the black community and and then shoot everybody? Just shoot all the unarmed people that they can possibly find. Nobody is saying that, but Hillary claims that's what's being said. Hillary claims that the way this is supposed to go is that the white people like when unarmed black people are shot and the black people are just the innocent victims every time there's a cop shooting. Again, the idea that she's going to lecture all of us is just insane. She continued, by the way, she said, maybe I can, by speaking directly to white people, say, look, this is not who we are. We've got to do everything possible to improve policing, to go right at implicit bias. Let me say something about implicit bias. So the the left likes to talk a lot about what they call implicit bias training. Let's talk about implicit bias training. Okay, the idea of implicit bias, the idea that, that we all have this bias in the back of our mind, and that's why cops are shooting black people, there's no evidence that implicit bias affects behavior. This is the dirty little secret about implicit bias studies. There's also no evidence that any sort of police training program gets rid of the implicit bias. There's no evidence of that whatsoever. So it's just, it, it, all of this is just crap that Hillary spouts out there. She just spouts out there so that she can pander to black people and hope that they all show up in mass numbers. She's trying to play the Obama card, the Cambridge police acted stupidly card, the Ferguson police have to be investigated card. She's trying to play Obama and she's failing. And for her to say that she's going to lecture the, the white community about how to treat black people. I mean, again, the Clintons are not exactly famous for being perfectly wonderful about black folks. Okay? They, have, they have a long history of antipathy toward the Obama family, for example. And there are a lot of people in the black community who aren't particularly happy with Hillary's verbiage about black criminals back in the 1990s. But Hillary's going to lecture the rest of us about how we're supposed to treat black people because she is the great moral arbiter of our time. How disgusting she is. And we know that she's a great moral arbiter. We know that she's a great moral arbiter because we know that she is the one who is going to tell all the white people to start caring about dead black people. She's the great moral arbiter because she believes that all 
police shootings are equivalent, whether the person is innocent or whether they're not innocent. It's all just evidence of the systemic white racism. It really is very gross. Okay, I'll take a break really quickly to say hello to our friends over at Birch Gold. So if you wanted to purchase precious metals, if you're looking at, if you're looking at the, the way that the the way that the world is going, the way that the United States is going, and you're feeling uncertain about the economy, uncertain about how things are moving forward, and you're looking to invest in precious metals, you want to get your 401k into precious metals, then you need to talk to my friends at Birch Gold. You go to B-I-R-C-H-Gold.com, birchgold.com slash Ben. You use slash Ben so that they know that we sent you, or you can call them at 800-496-6663. I trust them for, for precious metal purchases. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. If you want to get more information about doing this, you need to call them again. The number is 800-496-6663. And then you need to talk with them and ask all your questions. They'll send you the 16-page free kit about how gold and silver can protect your savings and how you can move from the stock market into precious metals if you choose to do so. Ask all your questions. Get all the information about your, about your finances before you make a call. But they're the right people to call when you're ready, when you're ready to do that. So again, our friends are birchgold.com slash Ben. Okay, so Donald Trump reacts to all of this. And Donald Trump, you know, he reacts by by first of all, he came out today and he said that the Tulsa tape disturbed him. I think the Tulsa tape disturbed everybody. It disturbed me too. He he went on and said that it looked like a, a bad shoot. He he actually went further than that. He went a little bit too far in my opinion without waiting for all of the facts. But Trump continued by saying the black communities are in the worst shape they've ever been. So here's Trump's response to all of the all of the race baiting Hillary Clinton is doing. We're going to make our country safe again. We're going to rebuild our inner cities because our African-American communities are absolutely in the worst shape that they've ever been in before, ever, ever, ever. You take a look at the inner cities, you get no education, you get no jobs, you get shot walking down the street. They're worse. I mean, honestly, places like Afghanistan are safer than some of our inner cities. Okay, so this is this is Trump overstating the case. The problem is if you're trying to actually woo black votes, you don't tell them that every place that they live is a terrible place. What you say is too many of our too many of these cities are are, are dangerous, too many of these cities are terrible places to live. But he's speaking to quality of life. He's speaking to quality of life issues at the same time that Hillary is not speaking to quality of life issues. What he's saying is closer to the truth than what Hillary is saying. Hillary is saying, we don't have a quality of life issue. We have a white cop issue. We have a white racism issue. And I just returned back to that clip of this, this North Carolina guy's brother, the guy who got shot, his brother, saying that all white people are devils. And I would suggest the problem is not the white people. The problem might be a pathology within certain segments of the black community that says that we are allowed to be lawless if we so choose, and that the white community is to blame for that. That's not all black people. That's not even the majority of black people. That's not even the majority of black people living in high crime areas. But there is a certain group of people who think that the white man is to blame for all of the racial problems in America. And that's really disgusting, because if we all just acted decently, black, white, and green, we'd all be a hell of a lot better off. Now, as we continue here on The Ben Shapiro Show, we're going to continue over at dailywire.com. If you want to watch the rest of the show live, Go to dailywire.com right now. You can subscribe for eight bucks a month, or you can get an annual membership, which gets you a signed copy of Andrew Clavin's book. And we're going to be giving away signed copies of my new novel that comes out November 1st. And so all of that's very exciting. You can also be part of the mailbag. We do the mailbag tomorrow, which is good stuff. And not only do we do that, we now have the capacity to do live question and answer during the show. And if you want to be part of that, you go and you subscribe at dailywire.com, watch the rest of the show live. If not, you can pick us up later on iTunes or SoundCloud or YouTube. You can check us out a little bit later. We are the number one conservative podcast 
in America. And we're so glad you can join us. But continue to join us by going over to dailywire.com right now. Okay, so here's the problem. Donald Trump makes the case that there is a lifestyle issue in the black community, too much crime, uh, too, too, much, too much shooting, too, just bad schools. All, all, and a lot of this is true. A lot of this is true. Here, however, is the problem. There's a poll, right? And this poll shows you, and this poll shows you what a lot of people think with regard to, by, by race, what a lot of people think by race with regard to, are there too are, are, are shootings of black people by individual officers isolated incidents, or are they rather something systemic? Or are they rather something systemic? Here is what the poll looks like. And what you see is that the vast majority of white people think that, this is, that, these, are, that these are outliers, that they don't look like something normal. 53% of Americans say police killings of black men are isolated incidents. 65% of white people say that police killings of black men are isolated incidents. Only 15% of black people think that police killings of black men are isolated incidents. Instead, they say it's part of a broader pattern of how police treat African-Americans because police are ginormously racist. And Hillary reinforces that. So one of the reasons that Hillary's message is, is more successful than Trump's is because she's going where a lot of people believe. And those numbers are stunning because, again, there's no statistical evidence to suggest that black people are being shot in outsized numbers. In fact, precisely the opposite. If you're an officer, there's an 18.5 times as likely a chance you will be shot by a black person than that an unarmed black person will be shot by a cop. So the, the idea that black people are being systematically targeted by, by the police uh, for killing is just untrue all the way through. But it means that Trump has the perception of that means Trump has an uphill battle to run. He's not going to help his case by trotting out people like Don King. So he was trying to do outreach to the black community. And the way that he decided to do that was by bringing in Don King to speak at a black church. And here's what that looked like today. I told Michael Jackson, I said, if you're poor, you are poor Negro. <coughs> I will use the N word. But if you if you're rich, you are a rich Negro. If you are intelligent, intellectual, you're intellectual Negro. If you are dancing and sliding and gliding, I mean Negro, <laughs> you are dancing and sliding and gliding Negro. Okay, how this is great outreach to black people, I don't know. Donald Trump is kind of sitting there. Apparently, Don King dropped the N-word at one point. They have to say, it is pretty amazing that he's trotting out a convicted murderer to do all of this. But again, Don King has met with Democrats too. So, so Trump isn't out of the world here, but it just seems like if you're going to present the story of a successful black person in America, you don't present the convicted murderer who bilked Mike Tyson out of hundreds of millions of dollars, allegedly. That just doesn't seem like the smartest move to me. I was speaking last night at, uh, at Grand Valley State University. That's the name of the university, which I screwed up yesterday. Uh, but it was Grand Valley State University, great event, wonderful kids. Uh, and, and one of the kids is a black guy who is from the inner city of Detroit. And he had made it to university. And he got up and he asked a question. He said, you know, why is it that I made it and so many of my compatriots didn't? And I said, because you didn't have a mentality that you couldn't make it. Those are the kinds of people that Donald Trump should be trotting out. He should be trotting out students like that black kid. Uh, they shouldn't be trotting out people like Don King, who actually is kind of a, a nasty fellow by all available accounts. OK, so all of this racial stuff is just a way for Hillary to pander. It's just a way for Hillary to drive out the black vote to historic highs so that she can presumably uh, draw a higher percentage of black voters because these elections are so close. Right now, if you look at North Carolina, for example, Trump's up like a point or two in North Carolina, but he's only winning 2% of the black vote. So that means that if Hillary can drive black turnout up in North Carolina, 
She has a much better shot of winning. So no wonder she's going to pretend that Charlotte and North Carolina are a deeply racist place where black people are being routinely targeted. She's doing that in order to generate fire against the right so that she can get black people to the polls. And Obama has been doing this for years. It's one of the reasons the racial polarization numbers are so entirely terrible. And they really are really bad. Meanwhile, the reason Hillary is trying to misdirect to, to police shootings that, that are isolated incidents or actually justified is because her policies are just a disaster area. So Robbie Mook, who is her campaign manager, her campaign surrogate, uh, he's on TV yesterday, and uh, he could not answer basic questions about Hillary Clinton's Syrian policy. Uh, was president she disappointed Obama, that the president didn't act when the line was crossed? I, I think you'd have to ask her about that question, how she would characterize well, you're here her to feelings. Speak for her, about, Robbie. So well, you, you haven't discussed that at all. <laughs> she, uh, look, I, what matters is what she is going to do as oh, president today, right now, differently than what the Obama administration is doing. What would she do differently? <laughs> I, I, again, I think you're going to have to ask her uh, that question. That's that's a matter of policy. I'm going to leave well, but, but uh, her what, to what determine are you here, that. What are you, we, we love you, buddy, but what are you here for? If you can't answer basic <laughs> and said, I mean, I, I, I don't know if there's a, I mean, we're, we may be uh, tiptoeing into Gary Johnson territory here. If you don't know the answer to that basic of a question, what is the response to Aleppo? Then what, why do we have you here? I think I look. I, you're asking uh, new policy questions. Um, you would have to ask the secretary new. for that. My uh, job's not to been set around policy. Syria's been around for some time. The red line being drawn has been around for some time. Uh, yeah. So this is. You wonder why Hillary's losing. Her own surrogates can't explain her Syrian policy because it's a disaster and it's exactly the same as Obama's Syrian policy. And there he is saying that it's a policy question he can't answer. Yeah, they're a disaster. Meanwhile, the State Department, Hillary's old State Department, is saying, while Hillary is saying, let more Syrian refugees in, her old State Department is openly admitting that they don't know how to vet people. So here's her old State Department. There's certainly not the same amount of information you have on individuals there that you would have here. But I would tell you a couple of things. First of all, they're the only the most vulnerable individuals. Eight out of 10 of the more than 10,000 Syrian refugees that we've admitted to the country are women and children. And of the men that make up the remainder, most of them are connected to families. Number two, they are going through a very serious interagency vetting process, the, the most that any refugee goes through. Is it perfect? Can it be perfect? Can it be foolproof? Well, probably not. No. Is it perfect? Can it be perfect? Can it be foolproof? Well, no. Okay, great. So you're, you're admitting that there are going to be people who get through who probably are, not, are nefarious and, and ought not be here. But we got to let them in anyway. Is it any wonder that Hillary Clinton has a problem here? Well, Hillary is just in the line of President Obama's foreign policy. President Obama was at the United Nations yesterday. And at the United Nations, President Obama kind of trotted out his normal litany of stupidity and idiocy. Now, here is some of President Obama at the UN. And then you wonder why people want to change, why people are looking at Donald Trump, why Donald Trump seems to be gaining in the polls. Again, it's really less him gaining than Hillary collapsing. And that's because people are tired of the Obama policy. And here's the reason why. Around the world, refugees flow across borders in flight from brutal conflict. Financial disruptions continue to weigh upon our workers and entire communities. Across vast okay, so swaths says, of the Middle East, basic security, basic order has broken down. We see too many governments muzzling journalists and quashing dissent and censoring the flow of information. Terrorist networks use social media to prey upon the minds of our youth, endangering open societies and 
spurring anger in innocent, against innocent immigrants and Muslims. Powerful nations contest the constraints placed on them by international law. Yes. Okay, so he, so, so he does this whole routine where this litany of terrible things have happened. He, he hasn't been here for any of this. Right? It's like he hasn't been president for the last eight years. Right? Syrian refugees pouring across the border, people reaching out via ISIS across the world to commit terrorist atrocities. And again, it's like, was he here? Like, where, where was he? Where was Hillary Clinton? I thought that was your job, was to stop these sorts of things. And he continues along these lines. This was supposed to be his valedictory where he talks about all of his great successes. And he really had nothing to name. So instead, he just said, we have all these continuing problems. And if you all had just listened to me, if you all had just made me king of the world, all of this would have been fine. He continues saying this kind of nonsense. In America, there is too much money in politics, too much entrenched partisanship, too, too little participation by citizens, in part because of a patchwork of laws that makes it harder to vote. Yeah, and you feel the necessity there from President Obama. He has to slap down the United States here. So, yeah, things are crappy all over the world. But here in the United States, we got our own problems. And this is Obama's constant refrain. He wouldn't want to cram down our values on anybody else. He did spend some of the speech talking about American values. But then he said, we don't want to cram our values down on you people. I mean, we think that there's a, a broad variety of values that are probably OK. And we don't want to be culturally imperialist. And then finally, Obama. I mean, again, the reason Obama can't extend into Hillary's popularity is because in the end, Obama is just about Obama. And here's the final proof. He finishes by talking about his favorite topic, Barack Obama. My own family is made up of the flesh and blood and traditions and cultures and faiths from a lot of different parts of the world. Just as America has been built by immigrants from every shore. And in my own life, in this country, and as president, I have learned that our identities do not have to be defined by putting someone else down, but can be enhanced by lifting somebody else up. Okay, he, he's this idea that he's lifted other people up and that his identity is not defined by putting other people down. I mean, that's what Hillary is doing, right? That's the whole race now. Her race is a continuation of Obama's race, which is really in a continuation of Obama's racial pandering, right? The whole thing is my identity is that my, my story is the American story. And my story is also the story of how America is a white, racist, terrible place that discriminates against black people. And now Hillary's trying to play that card, and it's just not working that well. Okay, so final note before we get to some stuff I like and some stuff that I don't. Donald Trump is, uh, I think, about to make a pretty major move. He announced today that he was going to broaden his list of potential Supreme Court nominees to include nine more people. Here is my prediction. Here is my prediction. My prediction is that Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz, will be on the list of his potential Supreme Court nominees, and that this week, tomorrow, Monday, Ted Cruz endorses Donald Trump. That's my out-of-the-box speculation about what's going to happen. Cruz has been sort of signaling that he might endorse Donald Trump, and Trump, if he's wise, will just take that endorsement because he thinks it'll take the steam out of the Never Trump movement. Today, he was ripping on the Never Trump people again. Again, it's not a movement. It's just a bunch of individuals who don't like Trump enough to vote for him, but Trump is ripping on the Never Trumpers again, and I think this is his kind of last gasp attempt to get more Republicans on board by, by co-opting Ted Cruz. Here was Trump talking about Never Trump. You'll hear about these Never Trumpers who are dying faster. Right now, they're on respirator, okay? Because the unity is becoming incredible. Just today in the Wall Street Journal, they have an amazing story 
about an amazing Wall Street Journal story today about all of the support that we're getting from lots of rich people even. They're coming in. You know, these were never Trump, never Trump, never Trump, and now they're believing. They see no, lower taxes. They see cutting the regulations. They see job creation, which is so important. So those people and those Republicans that aren't helping, they should be ashamed of themselves. Okay, they should be ashamed of themselves. Okay, so he says that that everybody who's not helping him should be ashamed of themselves. Again, it's this whole binary argument. I'm not going to rehash the argument here. All I'm going to say is I think this is a prelude. I think this is a prelude to his last-ditch attempt to get those maybe 1% or 2% of people. It really isn't a high percentage of people like me who say we're not going to vote for him because he's not conservative enough. I think he's going to try and co-opt a few of the final never-Trumpers, uh, like Ted Cruz, and get them on board. And Cruz has been making overtures in this direction. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's going to happen. That's my prediction for what happens in the next in the next week or so. Okay, time for some stuff I like and then some stuff that I hate and then it's Bible time because it's a Wednesday. So, stuff I like, we've been doing throwback comedies. So, classic throwback comedy, The Apartment from 1960. This is with Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine. This is actually not even as much a comedy as it is really a great movie. It's kind of it's it's almost a dramedy. Uh, and it's by Billy Wilder and the the entire premise is that Jack Lemmon is sort of a loser who has an apartment near the office and in order to make way at, at the company where he works, he starts handing out the key to his apartment to all of the higher level executives so that they can have affairs with the secretaries without their wives knowing about it. And he, of course, falls in love with one of the secretaries and his boss is having an affair with the secretary. And that's the that's the setup. And it's 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 a great movie. And it has some some truly I think Martin Balsam plays the 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 fellow who lives uh, in the same building. And it, it really is. Uh, there, there's some really moving and, and wonderful stuff in it. Here's what the trailer looks like. Ingredient number one, a very warm, very wonderful story about a boy, <coughs> a girl, and a very special kind of problem. Did you hear what I said, Miss Kublik? I absolutely adore you. Shut up and deal. Ingredient number two, a brilliant cast. Jack Lemon in a delightful role which gives full reign to Jack's amazing versatility. Shirley MacLaine, whose glowing warmth lights up the screen like a Christmas tree. Fred McMurray. This is a Fred McMurray you've never seen before. You know, you see a girl a couple of times a week just for laughs, and right away they think you're going to divorce your wife. <laughs> I ask you, is that, is that fair? No, sir, it's very unfair, especially to your wife. Yeah. Ingredient number three, Billy Wilder. There's nothing quite like that Billy Wilder somewhere like at hot So we don't have to laugh. play the whole trailer. But, they, but the, 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 this, this one best picture in 1960, and it deserves it. It's a, it's a fantastic movie. Uh, it, has a, it has a line in it that I've actually used in speeches before uh, it, because the, the, there, it's a great line. I use it in speeches, actually, because there's one point where, where one of the – this Martin Balsam character, he actually turns to, to Jack Lemmon. He said, just be a mensch, just be a mensch. And this is – you know, as a Jew, mensch is Yiddish for just be a man, be, be a gentleman, be a decent person. Uh, and uh, and it's 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 a great movie. It's a really great, a good score. It's worth renting, and it really holds up. It's very sharp. It's very cynical. Uh, it's it's quite cutting. There's some stuff in there that you're surprised is happening in a movie from 1960. But it's it's really it's really terrific. Okay, time for the stuff I hate. Let's do it. Okay, so Bono says that Donald Trump is the worst idea America has ever had. Here's an idiot British guy talking about what America needs. Does Trump come to you as somebody who's a change agent? 
because people are so unhappy about status quo? Um, or does he come to you as something else? Look, America is like the best idea <coughs> the world ever came up with. But Donald Trump is potentially the worst idea that ever happened to America. Potentially. Could destroy it. Because of what we're saying, because America's not just a country. Ireland's a nice country, Great Britain's a great country, all the rest of it. It's not an idea. America is an idea, and that idea is bound up in justice and equality for all. Equality and justice for all, you know? To making America strong. What is I think he's hijacked uh, the, the, the party. I think okay, he's we don't need to, to hear more from Bono. The I, I, one of the more overrated artists of our time. But Bono does this, this routine where he says that where he says that, that Trump is the worst idea America ever had. Okay, I don't like Donald Trump either. I think that Donald Trump represents an ideology that is really foreign to American conservatism and is much more in line with the European the European far right with its emphasis on centralized government. With that said, with that said, I think that it's worthwhile pointing out at this point that we have had slavery in this country. We have had Jim Crow in this country. We have had a myriad of horrible things happen in this. We had Japanese internment in this country. We've had a lot of bad things happen in this country. And uh, Donald Trump does not rank anywhere near the top 10. I mean, anywhere. He's not even going to be as damaging as President Obama has been to the country, although I think he will be more damaging to, to the cause of conservatism. Okay, got to pause for a moment and say hello to our friends at U.S. Tax Shield. If you have problems with the IRS, you need to give our friends at U.S. Tax Shield a call. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and they specialize in helping people who have problems with the IRS, people with personal tax liabilities, business payroll taxes, uh, they have fees and penalties. You need to give them a call at 800-542-2226 for a free consultation. They'll call up the IRS with you on the phone, and then they'll give you a final quote as to how much it's going to cost you to renegotiate your debt. If you have a problem with the IRS, they're the only people you, you should call, ustaxshield.com slash Ben, and use the slash Ben so that they know that we sent you. Okay, other things that I hate. So Trevor Noah, who's just a massive irritant. I thought Ross, Ross Dude had a great column in the New York Times today talking about the continued sort of radicalism of late night talk show hosts and how they've moved from the non-overtly political like Letterman and Leno. We knew Letterman was more lefty than Leno, but neither of them were quite as overtly political to the overt politics of people like Trevor Noah. Here's Trevor Noah going off on the Skittles analogy. I don't know why. Again, I don't understand why the left is going so insane over Donald Trump Jr. Skittles analogy. I'm still failing to understand why they don't understand what an analogy is. No one is saying refugees are Skittles. Okay, Skittles reportedly are sweet and give you diabetes, and refugees are people coming from an area where they're likely to be killed. I don't understand why people don't understand that they're not equating the two. I don't eat refugees. Uh, I mean, I don't eat Skittles either. They're not kosher, but neither are kosher. So I guess that's the equation. In any case, uh, Trevor Noah does a, a full routine about Skittles, which are very important to Trevor Noah. I don't know who should be more offended by this Trump analogy. Uh, Syrians or Skittles <coughs> or poison or bowls or analogies uh, because first of all Syrian refugees aren't Skittles. How do I know this? Because I've been trick-or-treating for years and I've never gotten Syrian refugees in my bag <laughs> And I've got weird neighbors, but, but let's, let's take a look at this real quick like if you were comparing taking in refugees to taking a handful of Skittles Then you've got to get your scale right Right? Because the Cato Institute, a typically conservative think tank, calculated the chances of an American being killed by a refugee in a terror attack, and those chances 
are one in three and a half billion, right? Those are the chances. In fact, Vox did the numbers, and this picture they created shows you what size bowl those three poison Skittles would have to be in <laughs> for this analogy to be accurate. It's probably more likely that you'll die from choking on actual Skittles <laughs> than a refugee. In fact, in fact, it seems, it seems even the candy company itself understands international relations better than Trump. The parent company of Skittles responded in a statement to NBC News saying, Skittles are candy, refugees are people. We don't feel it's an appropriate analogy. Nicely played, Skittles. Nicely played. This is so stupid. So let's stop it for a second. This is intensely stupid. The reason this is intensely stupid, number one, Cato Institute is libertarian, so they're a pro-open pro borders organization. They're not in favor of restrictive immigration. But beyond that, the idea that you're going to calculate the odds of being killed by a Syrian refugee, okay, this is the argument, and that argument holds true for all terrorism. Your chances of being killed in a terrorist attack are significantly lower in the United States than your chances of being killed in a car accident. Does that mean that we should let everyone in? We should just let members of Al-Qaeda in? Why not? I mean, presumably, there are 330 million people in the United States. Your chances of being killed by one of those people is still really, really low. I mean, a lot lower than it would be for you just to go outside today. I mean, after 9-11, the chances that you were killed in 9-11 in the United States were extraordinarily low. That doesn't mean that 9-11 wasn't damaging or that the government shouldn't have done more to stop it. Really, really stupid stuff from Trevor Noah. And again, it's called an analogy. He didn't say that refugees were Skittles because that's stupid. He said that refugees, just like any group of any group of objects or people, if some are dangerous, you're going to want to assess whether you can distinguish the dangerous from the not dangerous. You could have used apples. You could have used Skittles. You could have used marbles. You could have used anything. But again, the point here is not truth. The point here is just to mock and, and mock badly, by the way, being really bad at it. Okay. Time for a, a quick Bible, a quick round of Bible study, because I have to get out of here. I have to speak at Yale in, in a few minutes. Okay. So Quick round of Bible study, Deuteronomy 26. Okay, so this is part of this, this week's portion. As I mentioned, every week in the Jewish community, we read a portion of the Old Testament every single week, the five books of Moses, and, uh, and we, we read uh, one Parsha, so that by the end of the year, we've gone through the entire Torah. Uh, this week's portion includes segments from Deuteronomy, and it's like 25, 26, 27. And, and so this that I want to talk about now is Deuteronomy 26, 16, and 17. So here's what the text says, quote, this day, the Lord, your God is commanding you to fulfill these statutes and ordinances, and you will observe and fulfill them with all your heart and with all your soul. You have selected the Lord this day to be your God and to walk in his ways and to observe his statutes, his commandments and his ordinances and to obey him. The reason that I put this out there today, the reason I think this is important is for two reasons. One is too many people believe that they get to decide what God is ordering them to do as opposed to you know, the document that God gave to people or the morality that was passed down generation to generation. And, uh, and so what you get is an arbitrary morality masquerading as godliness. That's, that's problem number one. And there you see President Obama. So here's President Obama yesterday at the UN talking about his vision of, of God in the world. Well, young Martin Luther King Jr. wrote that human progress never rolls on the wheels of inevitability. <laughs> It comes through the tireless efforts of men willing to be co-workers with God. All of us can be co-workers with God. And our leadership and our governments and this United Nations should reflect this irreducible truth. Okay, so here's the problem. If you believe that we're co-workers with God, as opposed to employees of God, if you believe that that 
your job involves carrying out God's mandate as opposed to not that's not your job. Your job is instead to to just assume what God wants of you. And normally that sort of reflects what you as an individual want in life. And then you and then you tailor what you think God wants of you to fit what you want for yourself. And that, that's a very dangerous place to be. So that's that's problem number one. OK, we don't got the relationship between man and God is not a relationship between two co-workers. Okay? God is not your co-equal. If God is your co-equal, God doesn't exist because you're not that powerful. No, God is not your co-equal. God is your employer. God is is your relationship is with parents and a child. It also suggests that the truths. It's interesting. The founding fathers say in the, in the Declaration of Independence that we hold these truths to be self-evident. We hold these truths to be self-evident. I don't think that the truths in the Declaration of Independence are self-evident. I don't think that people all over the world can gradually come to the conclusion that there's such a thing as equal human rights and that slavery is bad. If that were true, then for millions and thousands of years, there would have been no slavery if it were self-evident that slavery was immoral and bad and counterproductive and wrong. Instead, the idea here is that there is a morality that's out there, but it springs from this Judeo-Christian wellspring. Even the people who are atheists, and I understand why you're atheist. I get the atheist argument. I think that there are compelling arguments for atheism. As a religious person, I think there are compelling arguments for atheism. That said, if you are a Western atheist who believes in human rights, you need to understand that the commandments that were brought down from Sinai by Moses, it was those that were the root of the secular humanist atheism that you now engage in. Because without those roots, you are a product of a culture. That culture was produced by Christianity and before it by Judaism. And that culture has produced the secular humanism that you now believe in. If you don't recognize this, then you're failing to recognize something true about human nature, which is actually dangerous, which is that human nature is not ultimately good. Human nature does not suggest that we will all ultimately come to the same conclusions about freedom and liberty and decency. That's just not how it works, unfortunately. Would, would that it were. Um, there's there are certain things that I think we can come to basic conclusions about, like don't kill people. But the idea that women should be in the workplace is a uniquely Western phenomenon springing from a history of Judeo-Christian religion added, as it evolves over time. And, and that's why it's important to recognize that the commandments that God gives, those are the root of the tree. And even if you're a leaf on the tree that doesn't believe in the root, understand that the root is what allows you to be the leaf on the tree. Okay, so that brings us to the end of today's show. Tomorrow is the mailbag, so get in your submissions now by subscribing at dailywire.com. If you haven't already, and uh, I'll be speaking at Yale tonight, I'll let you know how that goes, and we'll see you tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values, and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. PureTalk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So... I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let PureTalk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.